Welcome to the podcast series Behind the Screens, hosted by me, Jock Glover, Strategic Relationships Director here at Square Mile Investment Consulting and Research. As you know by now, in this series of podcasts, we like to meet members of the investment teams from across the asset management industry whose funds are rated by Square Mile and spend some time getting some insight into what they are doing and what they are thinking. I'm delighted to say that today's guest is David Katimbo Mogwanya. He's head of fixed income and a portfolio manager at Eden Tree Investment Management. And he is the manager of the Eden Tree Responsible and Sustainable Short Dated Bond Fund, which we're talking about today. The fund's £500 million in size, and it aims to preserve capital and generate a regular income payable quarterly. In addition, the fund aims to invest at least 80% of the portfolio into bonds that will make a positive contribution to society and the environment through sustainable and socially responsible practices. The fund has been awarded a responsible A rating by our team of funder analysts. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jock. It's glad to be here and um, hello to everyone listening. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, David, before we start getting into the nitty gritty of um, the funds and what you're doing and how you're positioning it and, uh, and the like. Can you just give the listeners um, an overview of Eden Tree? It's got a very impressive heritage in responsible investment. You've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, I think the catchphrase you guys use is performance with principles. Um, what does that actually mean in reality day to day for you as a manager running money for those investors? Yes, thank you, Jock. And you've touched on a very good word there, heritage. Um, Eden Tree is owned by the Benefact Group. So all we do ultimately in terms of profit is distributed to charities in and around the UK. But we have been investing responsibly and sustainably for over 30 years. And what that means is, you know, everything making it into our funds from an issuer perspective um, will be looked at through the lenses of ethics, i.e. absence of harm, to ensure that, but also to add um, you know, positive themes where these are available and to make sure that um, you know, the issuers that we are backing are conducting their businesses responsibly from things such as corporate governance, uh, business ethics, human rights, um, labor employment. So those feature quite heavily um, across our portfolios. And for sure, there's a lot of impact, even though sometimes um, we don't necessarily use that label um, for these funds that we are delivering via the short dated, um, responsible and sustainable fund that we run at Eaton Tree. And for a bond fund manager, it's quite often much less blurred or less, less hazy relative to equity managers where they're they're investing in companies, they're buying shares in companies that some or large parts of the company might be doing good stuff. Whereas as a bond manager, you can literally pick and choose which bond issuance you want to be involved in. Is that is, is that fair? That is fair. Um, although we take it one step back. So we look at the issuer. So rather than the specific line to qualify anything that comes into our fund, because we think that is the basically um, correct way of doing it. I know some people look at, let's say, green issues from a non-responsible issuer that would have um, never made it into our funds in the first place. And so as an investor, um, Eden Tree's asset class agnostic, 
We talk about engagement a lot. We engage on various themes with our underlying issuers. And when we are approaching them, we find they are relatively indifferent between whether someone owns their shares, i.e. has active ownership and can vote, or whether someone is um, lending to them. Um, such as ourselves. And, you know, in this day and age, when ESG has gained a lot more precedence, um, they pay a lot more attention to um, investors such as ourselves who are helping guide um, them, I would like to think, in terms of better direction of travel for these sorts of um, impact um, outcomes. But insofar as how we talk to them and how we engage with them, um, it sort of matters less to us whether we're coming from the bond side or whether we're from the um, equity side. And there were good examples for this short-dated bond fund um, over the last 18 or so months, if not two years. We've engaged with a lot of water companies. And these, you may recall, um, are largely private. And so the public debt investors are the only ones effectively out there that can basically drill some of these points home. And so for us, that's a very strong advantage to be a debt investor, um, seems to be the only way to influence um, these sorts of companies. But for sure, um, all our issuers we engage with and um, we're happy to, to carry on doing so. And just staying on the subject of the water companies, because this is a, a, a subject dear to my heart. I'm a fisherman, and uh, and so clean rivers is really good for for fishing and for insect life, etc. Um, so when you're engaging with these water companies, you're saying, listen, if you want to keep borrowing money from us, you've got to be improving your practices. You can't be having you know raw sewage spilling out into rivers, etc. It's those conversations, uh, and then th- these are the these are the terms that we'd be lending you money at it's sort of around that is it that's largely correct um if you look at the reports that we've done and the research 14 percent of, of uk rivers basically fail um environmental standards and that's you know quite quite a shocking number um we are investing in the ones that we think are you know best practice insofar as how they're going about um, treating wastewater and um, how they're handling um, sewage overflows. Um, these, of course, have been around for some time, of course, gaining uh, media attention over the last um, year or so. But, um, you know, in our engagements, we are making sure that the direction of travel, especially when you look at their environmental protection agency scores, um, is in the right direction and that they are effectively the best in class. So there's some, obviously, which would fail um, somewhere. They haven't taken enough mitigation to satisfy us that um, they have these problems under control. And there's others that are doing their best to enable that actually they invest to catch these sorts of spillages early, to catch leakages um, early, and therefore prevent a lot of the cost that would go into re- Preparing those. But for sure, um, you know, sewage overflows, um, if you look at the Thames, if you look at the Southeast in general, the coastline um, is definitely a topic um, of discussion. And we continue to engage with them actually, alongside engaging with the regulator, because it's important to amplify our voice um, via as many channels as we can. And um, we continue to engage on this particular topic. In fact, this year, that's a thematic um, topic that we are still. Um, engaging on. So we make sure within the portfolio, we lend to the best. And where we see a performance 
direction of travel that we are unsatisfied with, um, we make sure to reach out to the company to establish and we might as well divest or not participate in new issuance. So you're right there in um, us holding back our cash where we feel we're not satisfied. Well, I have to say, when I was preparing for this podcast and thinking about short-dated bonds, I didn't think we were going to end up on the riverbank, but um, that was absolutely fascinating. Um, talking of the portfolio a bit more, it's a short-dated bond strategy. You said your duration is normally two to three. How does that position, how's that position changed and, and what's, are you thinking about in terms of the current macro environment with the expectations of the interest rates probably having peaked in most Western markets now? Mm. So it's a capital preservation strategy relative, of course, to the wider IA sector. So what that meant in 2022, especially 2023, um, these funds were doing quite well. Um, versus the broader IA sector, where duration sensitivity was a main driver of um, lower performance there. And so us trying to preserve capital is also via the quality nature um, of the fund. At least 90% of its holdings are single A rated or better. And so what that means is when you have credit spreads rise, it also has a much lower drawdown than the IA sector and um, you could say vice versa. But insofar as how the fund is positioned going forward, um, we're of the view that we've neared the peak in interest rates and that the next significant move um, in central banks in terms of monetary policy is going to be rate cuts. And so we've been lengthening um, duration or adding to interest rate sensitivity within that two to three year range. And so when I say lengthening, if you looked at um, this portfolio last year, around about this time, we're around 2.2 years versus the index of 2.6 years. Now, we're more or less in line, even though the absolute number might not have changed very much at 2.2, 2.3 years. Um, we are in line with the benchmark and looking to add um, to duration further as we near um, those rate cuts. One of the ways we've been doing this is by decreasing the floating rate debt exposure. This has served us very well um, when interest rates were heading higher. Um, for those of you who are not aware, floating rate debt tracks interest rates higher and um, its coupons basically go up with every increase in interest rate. And the same happens on the reverse. So if we're looking out into rate cuts, we've been pairing that back because, of course, you don't want to lose that income and don't want to lose that performance and going into fixed rate debt to add to um, interest rate sensitivity there. So that's our broad sort of outlook in terms of rates. In terms of credit quality as well, um, it's a high quality fund for sure, but we've been adding um, to the quality elements of the fund. And so focusing more on the supranationals, the sub-sovereigns, which are AA, AAA type um, paper, because how credit spreads have evolved over the last year, especially, has been, you know, grinding tighter. And so um, there's less and less value to be had, even though, yes, there's some um, good bits still to pick up in single A financials, absolute yields looking attractive. But if you're this side of a potential recession and there's credit spread widening to come, um, we're of the view that we want to be in higher quality and then make that switch um, when you have that that risk off episode 
Um, it's not happened thus yet. Um, you know, it's just been a bit of a fabled um, thing, the succession. But um, I'm sure at one point in the near future, it will um, be upon us. And that is when I think we tend to sort of um, rejig or, or change towards um, more corporate and subnational. So I suppose that leads me to the question, what keeps you awake at night? You know, this fabled recession hasn't appeared, which, you know, would play into your favour in terms of having all that quality, etc. Um, in terms of how you're positioned, um, what is it that, that you worry about in terms of, you know, it's a, 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 I guess if you're relatively short duration relative to the wider market, uh, another uptick in interest rates won't be great, but it won't be catastrophic. But what is, what is it that you're worried about then? So I tend to buy things that don't keep me up at night as um, portfolio management is concerned. Um, buy towards high quality issuers in general. So we pick up our sort of um, yield by subordination than by high yield. And so if you were to look at sort of um, things out there, you could say that are concerning. There's been some themes developing um, in the real estate space, more US and European focused, I would say, than UK, but still um, the same themes could ultimately um, come through when you realize these long lags of monetary policy and how they play out. Um, real estate is quite sensitive um, to where interest rates were, and there's those rose very sharply in 2022. So what we're looking out for there is the provisioning that um, banks are starting to make in terms of their real estate, but also in terms of other um, interest rate sensitive areas of their sort of lending activities, things such as credit loans, uh, banks, of course, feature um, quite a bit in this fund. Um, there's been some also known unknowns, if, if you like, um, you know, sanctions, regulatory fines that have come into the news and affect some of the names in the portfolio. So just making sure we're re-examining the investment thesis here, whether these particular institutions can withstand um, you know, the fines that may ultimately have to be paid out, whether they can still service their debt. You know, debt sustainability is a very big thing right now. Of course, with interest rates having increased um, versus a lower for longer outlook that we once, um, you know, tolerated or, or viewed, um, it's one where you really want to make sure companies are able to repay their debt. And so in that context, we're still, of course, lending to the best um, quality lenders out there. But for sure, there are this idiosyncratic um, nature of things that come up. And if I just sort of circle back that real estate point. Um, if you look at commercial real estate and the write downs um, that are happening, albeit largely focused in the US for now, um, that is a concern. But as a responsible manager as well, it must be said that um, there's a environmental aspect to the real estate that is developing. Um, we're having more stranded assets or stranded real estate as decarbonization takes hold. Um, that is to say, if you're looking for a new building to house yourselves as a company, um, you're more likely to bias it towards a greener building. So a much newer building than an older building. And so companies that have lent or companies that actually um, have a large portfolio of old buildings, you could say are going to take more of a hit in terms of writing down and in terms of vacancy rates as well. And so that is another thing, I suppose, that um, we're looking at here for the UK. Again, um, hence why we lend to the best um, quality as, as we can. And if I can mention an example here, one of those is um, Landsex, a very green 
very urban, well-located uh, properties that will still command a premium. Uh, and I guess if you're talking about those landlords, those owners of those assets that are, I don't know, what, 10 years old plus maybe, yeah. that, that that's a sort of property. And then you've got the refurbishment costs because if you've got vacancy, you can't get people in and whatever to, to get them up to a standard that is attractive from a sustainable perspective. That's going to cost you more, isn't it? It will cost. And I think what we're discovering, especially post the emergence of the Ukraine-Russia war, is the cost of the transition is actually quite meaningful. Yeah. And, you know, for sure, someone's got to be able to fund it. Um, there will be companies that will struggle through that. If you're seeing high vacancies, low profitability, and have to upgrade your property portfolio, I wouldn't imagine that's going to be a very profitable um, adjustment. And yeah. so um, it will help, basically, if investors such as ourselves obviously uh, participate. But, um, you know, as a responsible investor, you don't necessarily want to be in the inefficient um, building. So there's there's a trade off somewhere there and there's push um, cost involved. Thanks. I'm, I'm very conscious that we're running towards the end of our time uh, on this chat. Um, so I thought I'd just ask you a final question. Um, do you have an interesting statistic that you've gleaned over the last week or two that you could share with uh, the listeners and, and why do you think it's interesting? Yeah, I think over the last um, week or, or two, if, if not this very week itself, um, we've seen a PCE deflator number um, that came in around about 2.4%. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, PCE is uh, the price consumer um, expenditure index and it's produced in the United States. And it's one of the key um, data points that the US Federal Reserve looks at um, insofar as how it's gauging inflation. Be aware we're in a very data um, sensitive or data dependent framework insofar as central banks are concerned and the rate outlooks that we have. And so that number sort of approaching the 2%, you could say, gives the, um, the Fed um, more room to start considering cuts later this year. And where the Fed goes, um, other central banks tend to follow the Bank of England, the ECB, and um, others further afield. And so we are nearing that point of interest rate cuts. Um, it's worthwhile to be adding to duration, but at the same time, um, worthwhile also keeping the focus on the quality side because credit spreads are, are rather tight. Um, hence why we've been sort of acting the way we are on the short-dated bond fund. David, that's a great note to finish on. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, for your time today, for your insights uh, and, and your thoughts. Um, all that now remains is for me to say thank you too to the listeners for your support. Uh, if you do want to contact us, please do so either through our webpage, www.squaremileresearch.com or by emailing us at info at squaremileresearch.com. This podcast is only aimed at professional advisors and regulated firms and should not be passed on to or relied upon by any other persons. It is not intended for retail investors who should obtain professional or specialist advice before taking or refraining from any action on the basis of this podcast. Remembering past performance is not an indication of future performance. It is published by and remains the copyright of Square Mart Investment Consulting and Research.
Square Mile makes no warranties or representations regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. This podcast represents the views and forecasts of Square Mile at the date of issue and may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. Nothing in this podcast shall be deemed to constitute a regulated activity or an invitation or inducement to engage in investment activity, and it is not a recommendation to buy or sell any funds or investments that are mentioned during this podcast. Thank you.